Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the fuck. What the fuck gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. Miles, you're right there. So your folks are going out of town. Tomorrow. You got the place all to yourself? Yeah. What the fuck? Hi, this is Neil Hunter from The Takeaway Thieves, and you're listening to Jay Scott's The Hook Rocks. If you need to listen to the best conversations in rock and roll and in the rock and roll world, check out Jay's The Hook Rocks. Now. Hey everybody, what's going on? It is Jay Scott. How are you? Good evening to all of you listening. Welcome back to the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Great network of music podcasts. You can check out my boys in Shout Out Loudcast, Martin Popoff, the rock and roll historian author, Carmen Apice, Vinny Apice, a whole bunch of others. So check out their platform. You can Follow them on Twitter at Pantheon Pods and uh, check out their podcast wherever you do podcasts. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, The Hook Rocks, wherever you are listening, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google, Pandora, Amazon, wherever. And don't forget to write a review. If you like what you hear, 
I always like feedback. I always like to hear from my listeners and see what they're thinking of the conversations we have because we have been an escape for you for a little over a year. Ever since this pandemic happened, we've been offering you great music commentary, great music interviews, interesting talk, interesting things going on in not just rock music, but also the business side too as well. And we're going to dive more into that in the weeks to come, especially on blockchain technology and NFT and how the industry, at least the bands and the artists are, moving towards more of that because it gives them greater control over their revenue and gives them a greater revenue stream in terms of they get all the money when they go through that instead of sharing it with these streaming services, which don't even give them a penny on the dollar. So we're going to be diving into that. A lot of great new topics coming up, a lot of great interviews And we have one for you tonight, and it's a return guest from a gentleman who visited us last year right at the beginning of the pandemic. We talked about what live music was going to look like, and we were dumb enough to think that this pandemic would, you know, not be short-lived, but at least we would be returning to some normal activity sooner rather than later. And unfortunately, as we all know, that did not happen, and it affected our lives and what we consider normal, whether we're into sports and going to sporting events, whether we're going to concerts, whether we're just getting together with family at family parties, birthday parties, Christmas, holidays. We've all been through it. We've all had to deal with, you know, one set of circumstance or another through this whole thing. And I'd like to welcome Julian Douglas back, Mr. 80s, who's a legendary promoter in Southern California done a lot of work with a lot of bands that you've listened to over the years. He's got a great perspective on what's been happening. He's been affected by this probably more so than any guest outside of the bands that I've had on this podcast because he's lived it and he's really felt the impact of what's happened. And I think it's a great conversation to revisit this a year later. It's been about a year since we've had him on. So I'd like to welcome Mr. Julian Douglas. What's going on, man? How are you? Wow, Jay. It is, uh, you know, I, I couldn't say how uh, excited I was to be back uh, talking to you again. Uh, what a pleasure and what a great time we had last time. And wow, uh, listening to you uh, give that little bit of retrospective of when we last talked, it, it, it really was something because we, we had a extremely long talk and I, I promise to try to whittle down my conversation uh, this time around I know we, we probably had about two or three episodes in one the last time we got together um, because there was so much to talk about and and now uh, you, you just nailed it right there when we, we had such an in-depth talk about what was going on and even with unknowns it almost now looks like we were so naive I mean we really we were so not I don't want to say we were so sure of ourselves, but we kind of even had worst case scenarios that are, you know, have been long blown past as far as when music would be returning and, you know, events of any kind, like you just mentioned, sporting events and and whatnot. And um, I'm I'm just flabbergasted. So uh, it is great to be be back talking to you about it because uh, a year's gone by and, uh, you know, uh, finally there's, some light at the end of the tunnel, if you want to call it that. But, uh, you know, it, I think rock and roll has, has you know, and music has, has gone through so much this past year. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. And 
I'm looking forward to talking to you about a little bit about that right now. So, <laughs> hey, yeah. great to be back, Jay. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you're back because, like you said, we did really have a great conversation. And there were a lot of things that we knew what were going to happen. Like, like we we knew that it was going to be a while before live music came back. We didn't know what form. And we still really don't know what form, right? I mean, we're hearing a lot of things and we're hearing, you know, reading a lot of articles about festivals that are going to be going on, even though festivals in, in the UK and Europe are being canceled, um, you know, we're, we're still moving ahead with big tours. I know Black Crows reintroduced their tour a few weeks ago. Motley Crue, Def Leppard seems to be a go, at least for now. That's the caveat. And there are a lot of positive things happening. There's so many good things happening in terms of baseball's back. You know, crowds are returning, even though it's at 50% or less capacity, depending on where the team plays. You know, hockey is is having fans back. There's other sports that are doing things. So that's all good. Um, however, when you read the paper, when you read articles and you read the news, you see different areas seeing spikes in cases. And we don't know what that's going to mean long term still. I know there's a lot of people getting vaccinated. I just received my second vaccination this past Tuesday. So I'm excited because I'm a little bit more comfortable in going out and doing things. Um, But I still think there's going to be a large group of people that when things do come back full on, people are still going to be hesitant whether they got the vaccine or not. There's still going to be that fear. There's still going to be the hesitancy because people have gone through this for a full calendar year and more. And that's not just something that you can wipe away and turn a switch and go, all right, let's, let's just go back to where it was. It's going to take a bit. I can't agree more. I, um, I see a lot of irony. Uh, I don't know if irony is the right word for it. I, I see a lot exactly of what it is you're talking about right there. I, um, so he, here's, here's an interesting one. You, you talked about uh, how we assumed things might be back a lot sooner than they were and where things would be. Uh, as you know, not just I have been Mr. 80s. I'm, I've been this promoter in Southern California for several decades. Uh, you know, on top of my so-called promoting due days, duties, I've, I've hosted just about every show that I do. I'm on stage introducing the bands. And, and e- even once in a while, because of, you know, previous jobs way back in the early 80s, uh, you know, I even the, some of the, the the relationships I have with some of the, the, the venues and even some of the bands, I, I brush off the cobwebs and I'll make a, a special appearance as like DJ Mr. 80s and what have you. And as you know, uh, one of the bands that I have had the, the fortunateness to work with for these uh, past few years was Yachtly Crew. And I think we, we talked about how Yachtly Crew, who's, you know, the big Yacht Rock uh, band throughout the nation, and they're based out of here in Los Angeles, Right when the pandemic was hitting, you know, this went from, you know, your so-called, you know, typical, uh, you know, little project of a, you know, cover band and tribute band, uh, like many of the others that just ended up exploding. You know, they just burst onto the scene. They were playing the little tiny places. So I ended up doing, a, you know, a 15 month sold out uh, once a month residency on the Sunset Strip. Next thing you know, they're selling out House of Blues all over the, you know, all over the place. And, and then they're playing, you know, um, 
1,500 and 2,000, uh, you know, or, you know, small arenas and outdoor theaters all over the place. And they were just about to head out on, uh, they got signed by a huge, uh, agency TKO. Uh, you know, these, the, they work with like, uh, Rob Zombie and whatnot. Sure. sure. Yeah. And this, this was like their first, you know, so-called tribute band. And, and they were putting them on a full nationwide tour and, uh, you know, couldn't be more excited. I was going to be doing selective dates and, um, and then the pandemic hit and, and it just, just like everywhere else, like no matter what the band, whether it was country, heavy metal, you know, R and B, every, the, the brakes just slammed on and that was it. And, you know, here's the irony and, and you, you really want to talk about ironic is I just got a phone call probably about an hour uh, before you just, you know, got on the, uh, you know, on with me and they have just gotten word that, you know, a ton of dates, they're going to start resuming their batting down the hatches tour. Um, most of the dates are like in July. They're in places back East. Uh, they're even going to be, I think they're hitting your town in Chicago. Um, and they're going to be playing play, big places like in Atlantic city and in New York and, uh, however, they're going to be flying out to Arizona the first weekend in May, uh, May 7th and 8th. And I got the call saying, uh, we're going and are you ready to dust off the microphone and join us? And I'm like, like, really? It's been over a year. You know, it's been like 13 four, you know, months or something like that. And they're like, yeah, we're, we can't believe it. They're, they're going to be playing the marquee theater out there. Uh, in fact, you just got done talking about it. They're, 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 they were supposed to do this one big show out there, but they're going to have to do it in two different nights because of limited capacity. So, you know, could we be more excited? Heck no. You know, finally, music, we're going to be doing something together and we're going to be, you know, crowds are coming, but you know, limited capacity. I don't even have all the details, uh, you know, if they're going to be doing, you know, seating, you know, spacing and all that other stuff, how they're going to, how they're doing all of it. You know what I mean? Right now, I, I was just so excited and flabbergasted that I got the call and even more excited for them. But this is like the first thing personally, you know, somebody that was working, you know, on a regular basis all over Southern California and sometimes out of state doing shows to just come to a screaming halt and let alone, as you just said, just, you know, endless amounts of bands on all, you know, circuit of, of style of music that I've worked for that all of them the same and almost none of them have returned to the stage. And I felt horrible for all my friends. Uh, so many, you know, that we have mutual friends, the same thing. So this was really interesting. This was the first time that now I, I I've got kind of like, affected i'm still like i'm still kind of in a daze i'm all of a sudden going oh my god i i, I get to finally like you know deal with hotel and 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 airfare and right and this is a cool thing though this is kind of exciting um you know when the next show after that'll be i have no idea but well, uh, you know yeah so it's funny because i'm going to a show this sunday i'm going to my first concert this sunday i'm going to see samantha fish who's a female blues singer and wow. I was looking up the venue, and they're only going to be at 20% capacity. And there's going to be tables that are six feet apart. 
So I'm interested to see how this is going to go. I mean, I, I mean, this is new. I mean, you know, I'm used to going and standing for an hour or two or two, two and a half hours, and you're going to be at a table. It's going to be 20% capacity, and wow. uh, I'm interested. Wow, that is that. Yeah, see, so I think we're I think we're all going to get kind of, if you want to call it that, this firsthand learning curve from each other. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I just think that, uh, I think, you know, like I, I've got something coming up, you've got something coming up and, uh, you know, thanks to social media, you know, we're at least starting to see now that everybody is starting to, to post, you know, getting back into the, the studio, getting back together. Luckily, most of the bands, uh, you know, unfortunately I, I do know quite a lot of bands that, uh, you know, didn't have it so well, you know, um, I, I think when we talked last, uh, that was one of our biggest concerns. I think when we had our conversation is, you know, how many musicians are going to be able to weather the storm? Uh, it's, it's just like bands were businesses. You know, we saw that whether it was a restaurant or a mom and pop shop. And we saw this during this past year, who is going to be able to weather the storm and come out of this still being open and working and operating. And unfortunately I, you know, I think we've seen now that, you know, a lot of bands that I, I knew that were playing the kind of the circuit back in, back then, you know, I, I don't see anything from on social media. I don't see any activity on their page. I don't, where I'm seeing others, you know, excited, like, Hey, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're open to play or we've got something out and wherever it may be out of state, you know, and many others, I'm, you know, it's cricket. I'm not hearing a thing. Yeah, so, you know, that, yeah, that that's really the new set of challenges, right? I mean, you know, we talked prior to the conversation. We kind of little bit uh, did a little bit of like a, I don't want a recap isn't a recap, but just kind of what we wanted to kind of discuss a little bit here, and we know there's a lot of new music coming. There's been a lot of new music already released this year. So much great new music, and you know, I've been saying this since fall of last year when the ACDC album came out celebrating rock and roll is back the resurgence is back it's here you know people are finally starting to figure that out the new set of challenge though isn't bands putting out music is where bands are going to play because as you mentioned a lot of bands couldn't weather the storm or maybe they'll come back we don't know yet but a lot of clubs unfortunately a lot of clubs a lot of theaters did not make it through. And I know Save Our Stages did a lot of work. I know there was finally legislation passed at the end of the year that should have been passed several months previous to that. And I think it's a load of crap that our government, I don't want to get into a political conversation, but our government left these communities out to dry because it's not just about saving a club or theater. Those clubs or theaters bring in money to restaurants, keep people employed, and, you know, they didn't get any money for, I think, what, till, till December, I think it was? Oh. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of, you know, clubs that were begging for it. They, they couldn't stick around. So with all this new music coming out, and these bands are going to want to get out and tour because that's how they make money, 
Where are they going to play? Are there going to be enough venues for them, for them to play at? And what is going to be the guarantee for these bands? Are they going to be on a paper pay to play? And, you know, do they have to sell a certain amount of tickets? Certain states have different restrictions. So how is that all going to work out? These are all questions that really everyone's still kind of working through. And I know there's some bands, some smaller bands that are on some tours right now, like Bourbon House, which is from Wisconsin. I know Of Limbo, which is a band from Long Beach there, just announced they're going on tour with Buck Cherry. You know, there's a Samantha Fish tour that I'm going to see on on Sunday. So there are bands that are doing it. Um, Is it going to last? That's the first question, because is there going to be increase in in cases? Will enough vaccines be put in people to curb those numbers? We still don't know. Will there be people hesitant to come back? I mean, you're talking about a big ticket item with Motley Crue and Def Leppard. Those tickets are a lot of money. And are people going to want to fork over that money with a lot of unknown? That's another big, big question. So we've, 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 we are seeing the resurgence in the music part of it, and these bands releasing some kick-ass music in this year. However, that presents another set of challenges with what just happened, like I just spoke of. Where are they going to play? Because, you know, it's not like it was in the 80s when they had, you know, the Sunset Strip was the place that every band in the country went to go get noticed and go play. Now bands are getting noticed on the Internet, on their social media pages, YouTube, you name it, whatever. The scene is global, right? So. Right. Where, you know, are, are these small bars that normally hold, you know, your, your, your cover bands, are they going to be wanting to take on a new band that's got a new LP that's touring that, you know, maybe doesn't have an audience or built an audience or whatever? It's, it's a big, big question. It is a big question. It, I, am, I am in that category. I am in that category because, to be honest with you, I, you know, I've always been that half glass kind of guy and I'm always the, the positive thinker and the you know hey you know moving forward everything's going to be great but I'll be honest with you it's not a, a secret conversation or anything like that I've had this with many people as far as myself in the the job description of being a concert promoter um, I understand that I'm going to be the last on board the ship there's no question about it and that's a really scary thing for me because as you just said it, first of all, as a concert promoter, one that, you know, concert promoter is, is a term that, you know, gets thrown around loosely. You know, I'm old school. I'm Mr. 80s. You know, I'm the guy that's been a, called Mr. 80s because I was around in the scene during the 80s and all different aspects. It wasn't because I was born in the 80s. Let's get that straight. So, uh, you know, I've been around and I've been around the music scene for a long time. Um, you know, the great Bill Grahams and those type of people, it's a little different these days, but I, I mainly get hired myself from different concert venues all over. The minute they book a certain show with a certain act, I get the phone call to help promote that show. And basically because of who I am and the context I have to let people know that that show exists and to help that venue get those bodies in there and help to either sell it out or get close to selling it out. And most of the venues I've worked for, whether it's been a House of Blues or a lot of the local places here like St. Rock, who we can get to, is one of the ones that first bit the kiss of death. Uh, we'll get to that one. They're, they're gone, kind of. They were sold. They, they went under, uh, so to speak. So, And when we last talked, 
I think we talked a lot about St. Rock and how I was looking forward to when I'd be back doing, because that was where I did most of my work and they're gone uh, at the moment. So, uh, you know, uh, whether it's uh, the, the Viper Room and uh, the Whiskey and the Roxy and, um, um, you know, uh, the Greek Theater, uh, you know, these different venues that I've worked for for, for decades, you know, I get these calls and I get to, to do these work with all, and a lot of the time the bands have influence, you know, a, a band can be on tour and they'll, their, their management will contact and say, Hey, you know, we're coming to town and we really love to have, you know, Julian on the show and get, give it that a little extra edge. We know we'll, we, it'll, it'll be that much of a, a better show. We're going to get, we're going to get those fans that really love us to, to come out when we, and so that's, that's where I come from. So that being said, you just touched upon it and I'm going to use it, uh, St. Rock, which is not, uh, you know, going right now, but let's say, take St. Rock. Okay. That place held about 300 people. Well, let's say St. Rock was able to reopen in a couple months and they, and St. Rock was known for having the, as far as the rock bands, you know, they would, they would get in, you know, you know, the caliber size wise of like, say a Y and T. You know, um, they, uh, on the new wave side, they would get the Berlins and the Bow Wow Wows and stuff like that. Um, so they would get, uh, you know, and once in a while, they could even get in the, the Eddie Moneys. You know, they were, they were getting in, but a lot of tribute bands and cover bands. Uh, but so let's just take one of those type of bands that we're going to be coming into that venue. Well, as far as the, the national act, I don't think a venue of that size caliber place would be able to afford a national act and the national act isn't going to be quick to slash their budget in half. Let's say if a band is used to say maybe getting 10,000 to play a venue like that with a high, like $45 ticket price, they're probably not going to be willing to get five grand and the venue at that point. Now they're only going to be at probably 25, maybe 35 capacity to start out when it, when these clubs open up. So how do they do that? Are they going to raise the ticket prices? They're probably going to be a little scared to do that because they need bodies in the house. Now, again, I think everybody wants live music. You touched upon it. There's going to be a lot of people that are hesitant to come back, but at the same time, we know social media, everybody basically still wants to see live music. So I think, the people that are willing to go for the show is going to outweigh those that are still hesitant to go. So that being said, if there's a band you want to go see, whether it's a tribute band you've missed or a, a small local band or a national act, well, guess what? They're not going to have any need. The minute they say this band is playing there or whatever date they're going to be playing, those tickets are going to go quick. But here we go again. Remember, they're getting a very limited amount of door charge coming in into the venue. Now, if you only have a third of the capacity in there, you already know a third of the alcohol sales are going to be done and food if they have that. Yet, they're still going to have to staff the place. What renovations did these places have to make? I don't even know if we even had that conversation a year ago. You know, that's all changed. You know, how are they doing everything? Is it going to be, you know, ticketless when you get to the door? Are they going to, you know, what, what, you know, what type of um, PPE is being used all around the place? Are the, have the bathrooms been changed? Are they going to be where there's no more handles on things? You know, everything touchless, uh, you know, have they, you know, have they put in dividers for any table seating? Just 
so, you know, these places had to invest money on top of trying to survive. So when it comes to all this stuff that we're, I just talked about, then I think of people like me, the promoter. I'm going to be, I hate to say it, but I'm going to be a luxury for a lot of venues for a while. For me, I almost hate to say it, I'm, I'm going to hope that, like with Yachtly Crew, where, yeah, I'm promoting a band I'm working with, of course, but I'm a part of that band. I am, you know, I'm the host. I'm the master of ceremonies. I'm that voice along with them. And if I'm even doing some guest DJ work for anything to sell myself, to be a part of a package with some of these, these venues might be my only key. Like who would have ever thought that a guy that's been doing something, making a very successful living and, you know, I'm toot my horn a little bit. You know, one of the most known in this business, especially on the West coast that, I'm having to reinvent myself because I haven't worked in a year. So when things are coming back, like we're talking about music wise, I know realistically I'm the bottom of the totem pole. I'm not going to be up at the top. So how do I get working? How do I squeeze myself in there? Because I don't see a lot of clubs kind of rushing to say, Hey, Julian, you know, we're going to cough over this amount of money to get you back in board with it. Of course they would all love to work with me. But we know that they're going to be sitting there scraping by to, to, you know, get paid for the extra staff that they've got in there. And how many, how many staff of all these different venues are, that are still around are going to be new staff? You know, what, what did all these employees that worked at these places that thought maybe it'd only be a month or two or maybe even three that either are still on unemployment or pandemic unemployment assurance? Or, or whatever it is out there, or how many got different jobs, had to cre- recreate themselves and are doing a different job, working from home or whatever it may be. How, so, how, how is live stream impacting this too? Because you mentioned being at a smaller capacity. Now, live stream so, gives the ability for a venue to broadcast that show to people not wanting to go out or can't go out because the tickets have been sucked up because of the limited capacity. So how much is that going to help offset these clubs from losing money? In my, again, this is just my opinion. I think in the beginning, when things started going on, I think live streaming was a really big deal. And people were excited. People were clamoring to see whatever band they could. And I think it wasn't that you know, probably halfway through, I think it tailed off quite a bit. Now, don't get me wrong. I still think if it's a big enough band and you've got enough of a fan base, but I think what happened is, you know, look at all the families out there with kids and, you know, having to do schooling through Zoom, having to do business meetings, having to some of most people, you know, so many of them still working from home. And you see all these new statistics of, you know, Zoom fatigue. You know, things we never heard of terminology and that type of stuff. I think in the early days, you know, hey, I was just like everybody else. I couldn't wait to get, I, and I, again, it's kind of funny because, you know, what, what you, you know, what your main stay is, is that, you know, Jay and the, the rock and roll and Mr. 80s and definitely, you know, a lot of rock and roll behind me. And some of the only stuff that I've even been a part of I'm talking about yacht rock, which is kind of hysterical, you know, the, the, not the anti, you know, hard rock, but you know, let's face it. It's the, you know, the, 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 
well, you you know, so <laughs> it's uh, the the softer side of rock, let's say. Sure. But uh, but let's face it, every hard rocker sits there and lo- loves their Daryl Hall and John Oates. So let you know, you can't you know stop that love. So anyway, speaking of that, the the one thing I did over the summer was a huge live stream event with Yachtly Crew where we were doing a live Q&A during the show. So the band would be playing, and then I would come onto their, their little stage area, and we would be taking, you know, with the live streaming, questions from the audience. And we'd pause, and I, you know, I'd ask questions to the band, and we'd have ahead of time, we told people of the event, so they were able to send in their questions ahead of time. And it was really great, and it was a big hit. But I think, and, and in fact, Yachtly Crew, um, they were the first band to do a live stream from the Whiskey A Go-Go. And that was a big deal. And then a lot of huge bands followed after afterwards. But again, I think what happened was fatigue. And I think now where people, you know, just like this, you know what it was too, I think associated with, is we were all on lockdown for so long. And, and different where you lived, but especially out here in California, we, we, we got it bad with the lockdowns. I mean, it's, you know, look, they're, they're, you know, not getting political, but they're trying, you know, recalling, you know, at least getting the governor here, Newsom on the ballot to recall because of what happened. You just got done talking about it. Restaurants not being able to open and the restaurant business out here just being smashed apart where the rest of the country had people, you know, going out to restaurants without any problems. And California is just sitting here going, why are we not, you know, being able to go to a restaurant? Why are we in a lockdown? Why the rest of the nation is, you know, not in a lockdown. So out here in California, I think when the, the handcuffs came off, when we were, you know, we, we were making the bad jokes about, you know, early on when, remember, they had the caution tape all along the beaches here in California where when surfers were getting arrested and put in jail for going out on a surfboard, like figure that one out. So I think we all got, we had enough. And even though live streaming is everywhere and right, I mean, so many fans just click them on and you, they've got their YouTube channels and they've got, they're still wanting to do live streaming. A lot of bands I know they're not, I don't see them posting anymore about doing live stream concerts. And I think, a lot just may, I think people have burnt out on it and they, they're ready. They want to see these, they want to get together with their friends. They want to see people in person and they want to see the bands live again. That's just, again, this is just my take. Yeah. And it, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think there's a lot of truth in, in, in what you say with, with the fatigue factor um, and people wanting the, the real live experience. But, I also think too that it's also a way to recoup revenue that will be lost because of capacity restrictions. And I also think it's a way to generate more revenue because for instance, here's a couple of examples. So I just watched the Stephen Piercy um, live show from the whiskey a couple weeks ago. He was on my right. show and did, a, you know, did a promotional thing and, you know, and, and the quality of the camera work is so much better now than it was in the beginning of the pandemic. You also see companies investing in technology to improve speakers and audio and all that. You also see Live Nation putting a lot of money into live streaming because 
because of the capacity concerns, and also I think they've been able to figure out, Julian, that if some band in, in California has planted the whiskey and you're in Germany and they're not going to be touring Germany on this tour, guess what? You can go and buy that ticket for 25 bucks and watch them. Or if you're in Virginia and you know you want to see the first night of so-and-so playing, boom, you can get a ticket or, or whatever. And I think it's kind of like when you think of sporting events, nothing replaces being at a baseball game, being at a Cub game, being at a Dodger game in, in real life, right? experiencing that physically. But you know, people still watch the Super Bowl. People still watch baseball. People still watch boxing. And I think that with this, I think companies, a lot of clubs, a lot of theaters that need to find a way to make some money, I think that, I think it's here to stay, man. I, I think it really is. I, I agree with very much. You know, well, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I, what my wonder is, is I think a lot of clubs drop the ball when they should have been doing that since day number one. I, you know, again, I'm just, you know, I, and you know what? And I, I'll, I'm not going to name names of clubs because the last thing I wanted to do is like, so, you know, I don't understand why this one club didn't do this in the beginning. And, you know, and then all of a sudden my phone starts lighting up, you know, uh, you know, with, you know, well, you don't know we, what we were trying to do, but we couldn't get the license or we get. So, you know, all I'm going to say is there were various clubs out there that are not existent anymore uh, that couldn't make it. And I and at the same time, I was well aware of bands. Uh, of, of event coordinators that were trying to do exactly that, put on full on events, not just a band, you know, playing like doing like three or four bands, like a typical Friday night at the venue and do that for a live stream event. And I know that firsthand because I had so many during this past year approaching me, you know, saying, you know, this is what we're trying to do. And would you be interested in hosting the event? And of course, you know, every. I'm in, I'm in for everything. <laughs> and none of it happened. And, uh, and, you know, I, I, I heard little different things that, uh, you know, the expense and the, in the venues maybe didn't want to, I know firsthand from certain venues, um, the amount of money that they were actually charging bands to get to their break even point to where even the band would make money on event was, was a little frightening. You know, again, like you just said, you would think that you'd be scratching and clawing to do anything just to, to keep current. I, I will never understand why almost every venue out there during this past year wasn't doing things. And I think at the same time, also, you mentioned technology. I think there are a lot of clubs could have hit up a lot of different, let's say, um, different, uh, you know, companies to like say, hey, you've got this new technology. We saw it before. We'd love to work with you and, and maybe work some kind of deal, work something out. So why wasn't, you know, so moving ahead, what, what can they do and how can they balance it with live music coming back? Because I, I agree again, I think, you know, how often do we wish we would like, what was it? The, uh, the big new year's Eve thing that kiss did, uh, you oh, know, in, at, uh, Dubai. Yeah, you know, kiss 2020 goodbye. 
you know, I think everybody given the opportunity, you know, I, I, I don't remember what the ticket price. It wasn't as easily said that could be done. But I know for a fact that, you know, a lot of people would have loved to have seen that show. And that you you want to be able to tune in wherever you are around the world and, and, and catch something like that. But the question then is, I guess for me, I guess, you know, what's hard for me is being that promoter that I'm always selling the experience. And when you don't have the live, live experience, um, and I think the fatigue factor, what we talked about, there are so many people, and especially a lot of my friends in the Midwest, that are really hungry to see any show they can. And I think that, I think maybe that could be like what you were talking about, a positive of of what we've learned during the pandemic with streaming. I think a lot of towns, let's say, areas that before never got a lot of the, the big bands coming through their area that still might, and because it's going to take a while till those bands get back, maybe now more places will do live streaming and then they will get that opportunity to see bands. I think the pros and the cons, like I said, the con involved is something like maybe the fact that you're just not getting that live experience, being with other people, getting out and about and doing stuff. And I think, I think that's one of the, the negatives. But I think all in all, somebody should, I, I don't know. I, 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 live Nation lost I, I, I could only imagine how much money they lost. I also know that they are, you know, chomping at the bit to get concerts back safely for everybody. I, they tossed around so many ideas and concepts that we could probably debate for hours on how they're going to do that. But you almost wish it would take a Goliath like Live Nation to come up with a new division of taking their, you know, they're the ones that own like probably the majority of venues across America, for goodness sake, and say, you know, we're going to start doing something like with Access TV. I'm just, you know, throwing one out there. And we're going to do the new, you know, every Friday and Saturday night, the, the, the Live Nation concert experience with the great band. And like you said, do a pay-per-view thing and do something. Maybe, you know, maybe even incorporate something, a way to do it where, you know how people are now more comfortable gathering together. Uh, maybe I'm, give, uh, maybe I'm screwing up, giving away a million dollar idea on your, on the podcast right now, but uh, where they come up with ideas where they get different groups and organizations where they get people to get together and, you know, do their own like big watch parties for different concerts. So maybe there are ways to kind of work both together in a way. I don't know. Yeah, just, going yeah, off topic. A no, <laughs> it's it's a good topic because I think it's interesting that how they're going to utilize it. What what they've figured out is they've they have found a new way to make money, and even with even if live stream revenue goes down to twenty five percent of revenue, that's still a significant amount. For them to make and for them to keep it going, invest in technology for cameras, filming, sound. You know, I can I can envision. I know Sony's developing 
you know, sound quality technology for computers. And I bet you Apple and all these other companies sooner rather than later will have two different types of MacBooks. You get your regular, you know, MacBook Pro with the regular audio system or spend a couple hundred hours more and you've got the state-of-the-art surround sound, state-of-the-art speaker system in your computer so you can watch live stream and it sounds like you're actually at the show. So I think that's all coming too as well. I think there's going to be a big push for that. And especially because, like I said, if Iron Maiden is opening up their farewell tour, their final tour, and they're playing in London or wherever they're playing, people from around the globe are going to buy tickets for that because they want to see the opening night of the show or the final night of the show. Imagine if you could live stream the final Motley Crue concert, you know, four or five years ago on New Year's Eve. You know, how much money would have been made just on that alone? So I think that there is a, a, a revenue stream there. And let's face it, you and I both know when a big company, when a big Goliath like Live Nation, Spotify, or whoever figures out, hmm, we can make money doing that, they're going to do it. They're going to right. do it. And, and you know, the other thing that I, that I want to mention, too, and that's interesting that I've, I've talked with a few people about is especially in the near future now and in the near future because of the uncertainty because of ticket prices being what they are i think there's going to be a lot of people that wait and wait till the night before to get their ticket to make sure because now when you purchase a ticket there's a whole bunch of things now and in, in, in rules of how you can get a refund and when you can get a refund and percentage of refund and all that stuff so people are just going to say screw it there's enough tickets available. I'm waiting until the night before or two days before when it looks like the show is really going to happen. I'm going to buy my ticket then. And there's going to be a lot of, quote, unquote, you know, cyber walk-ups, so to, see, so to speak. People waiting for the last moment to make sure that the event's actually going to happen. Granted, it's not going to be long-term, but I think in the next year or two, you're going to see a lot of that, which will affect what you, people like you do, the promoter, because if there's not a lot of tickets sold, what does a promoter do? They got to cancel the show because they don't know if there's going to be an uptick in ticket sales or are they going to kind of, you know, stare it down and, 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 and just wait for those last minute groups of people, like that surge of people to buy tickets. That's a dangerous thing to kind of, you know, to count your money on. And oh, yeah. You know, so that's going to be an interesting to see how that all plays out with crowds of people. Yeah, in fact, uh, you, you just said it. Look, I would like to say that I've been able to, to get where I have been prior to the pandemic because of reputation, just like anything in business. You know, you are who you are and, and the way you've done your business throughout the years. And one of the things I've always been proud of is the way I conduct the business that I do and my reliability being an, you know, I, I've had a lot of people jokingly say I'm the last honest promoter in Hollywood, so to speak. Well, you know what? I take a lot of pride in that. Well, you just said it. What would it be like? And, and again, not going to name a, a venues, but there is a pretty well-known, um, venue out here in Southern California. And I, I give them amazing credit. And I think they have been almost hysterically, uh, positive in that when this, but the pandemic hit, they had a huge calendar and you would see 
every month or every two weeks, that calendar updated. We're talking national acts, really well-known national acts, and even tribute acts. And they kept, you know, postponing on the website. You know, this would be like, say, even back in September of last year, where we kind of thought things would be coming. I, I think that was kind of our our first guess of when things may start coming back was the, the fall of 2020, which of course was way off base. And you would see some of these, you know, things from like June being, you know, postponed till September or October. And then those dates were changed and being postponed until like, you know, January, February. And now I'm seeing them postponed to April or May. And now some of those are to be, to be announced. So I, I think that you, you're, you're dealing with a lot of, of uncertainty, as you said. And as a promoter, if, if I'm hired from a venue and they want to let me know that, look, here's all these great shows coming, and then these people go to make plans and they get together with their friends, what is going to happen at that point if all of a sudden I've got to like two, three times over tell them, you know, hey, I'm sorry, the show's been postponed again. I can't do that, and it's not going to happen because people are going to hate me. <laughs> you know, that's all there is to it. No, it, it is a it is a big you know question of how people's buying habits, whether they're going to whether they're going to stay the same or whether they're going to change, and, and what's going to happen with that. That's really you know. No one knows, and because, like I said, it's been a full calendar year. People have developed habits over this time. They're used to staying at home more. People like staying at home. You know, you've got the big screen TVs. You can do anything on demand. You've got your Netflix. You got your Disney Plus. You can watch pretty much anything now. Movies are not just being released on theaters or in theaters. They're being released on streaming services. So. You know, if you're used to that and you're used to those habits, are you going to want to go and deal with a crowd and deal with people with masks and social distancing? Or are you just going to want to, you know, grab a six pack of beer, order a pizza and, you know, grab, invite some friends over and watch a show, watch a concert. It's a big, it's a, it's a big unknown. We don't know what people are going to do. I think, I think you're right. I think more people are going to want that live experience. I know I do, right? I know I want to go to a live concert. I am itching to go. I'm going Sunday, and I'm, I'm so excited. But I'm also, I also know that if I walk into a venue and it's asses to elbows, I'm walking out. I don't care. I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for people to be packed in like sardines in the middle of summer, people sweating on each other, and I just think that's too soon. And my, my other question is, you know, people would get in fight at the, uh, fights at these venues if you spill beer on their shoes. When's the first fight going to be when someone starts coughing on somebody? You know, when, what's going to oh, happen when, when someone's like standing behind you and just starts coughing? You're like, dude, uh, what are you doing? You know, so it's a big deal. I mean, it's, it's not just snap your fingers, you know, let's go back to shows. I think like myself we all want to but it there's a guy there was the unknown about when events are gonna we're gonna happen now we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now the next big question is what's going to be the reaction how people are going to come back will the majority of people come back i think so but will it be a large majority will it be a large minority that stays home 
it's, you know, different states probably will have different, you know, different percentages here and there. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a big deal. There's also, you know, the, the one, the one question I also wanted to ask you too, we, you know, with all the new music that's out and coming out this year and the new bands, maybe it's too early for you to have an idea of how this is you know happening, but are you seeing a demand from clubs on new bands and new acts, maybe different than you were pre-pandemic? I would, I'm going to have to say as far as the new music, not as much. I almost want to say, and this is going to sound odd, but I think you'll understand what I mean. You know, I just got done talking about a certain venue that, you know, kept postponing so many shows. And I almost want to say that you're, you're seeing or what you're kind of seeing venues talk about is almost a makeup of bands. So, so many of the bands that were, let's say, on a normal rotation, and that could be, you know, it could be a, a big local band in whatever, you know, area of the nation, whatever this club may be at, or it may be, you know, a national act. It may be a big tribute act. These bands that would play regularly, they're the ones that always pack the house. They're the ones that were on schedule before things shut down. And what I'm seeing a lot of, and, and here's an example, there's the, uh, the, the Canyon Club that are out here in Southern California. There's, I think there's, um, Santa Clarita, there's, uh, there's one out in um, uh, Agora Hills, there's one out uh, up north a little bit more. I think they, they lost their one in Pasadena, the Rose, that one shut down. I don't know if the, the Beverly Hills Theater one uh, that they deal with is, is reopening or not, but if they are all over social media right now. They are all over posting that, you know, May, June, July, all these bands are back. And, and now I, you know, firsthand, I, I don't even know how they're doing it yet. Like you said, unknown, you know, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're saying they're doing it. And I look at the calendar and it's every band that I know, you know what I mean? It's either a lower tier national act or a tribute band. And I'm just like, wow, this is like, they, the, I, 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 I could have, it must have been, I would have been loved to have been a fly on the wall in that, you know, booking agent for that, the club, uh, when they started making the phone calls, because, you know, it, it, I don't want to dare use the terminology. It's like the first three months of their calendars are like a greatest hit, but you know what I mean? It was like, they were waiting to get all these staples back. And it looks like that's what they, because they knew what their clientele wanted. So there you go in a way, and this just happens to be these. And I know firsthand that the whiskey is getting close to reopening. And I know that because right before this happened, Yachtly Crew had uh, a new residency in Hollywood that was going to be starting. They were going to start playing at the whiskey every few months. So the whiskey is getting close to, to, you know, hopefully in a, in a few months start, you know, doing shows. And I think it's going to be the same way. Like I said, there's going to be the, 
supply and demand, basic economics, I think, out of the gate. Now, you know a place like the Whiskey, when they announce their back, and I'm, I'm, now again, I'm not, you know, I'm not over there right now. I, they may already be working on calendars. Uh, but you know that they're getting bombarded by every band that's out there, from every neighborhood band to probably, uh, you know, larger bands. And they're probably going to work out that balancing act of how they're going to, who they're going to bring in. But as far as that top name on the bill, they're probably going to be going with the name that they can count on. I guess that's the best way to put it. So a lot of the newer bands that have released really great music and, and may have had, you know, a lot of, you know, downloads and a lot of discussion that are going on, they might be reluctant or, and, or maybe, you know, maybe they'll be able to start pairing them up in places like the whiskeys and in, in those type of venues, uh, you know, with other headline acts. I don't know. I, I just think when they come out of the gate, I think it's going to be very hard for venues to, you know, take a, take a shot at a non guarantee. Let's so, so to speak. Uh, you know, I dealt with that for all, all, you know, all my career. I mean, I, I always hate using the terminology, but, you know, even the, the biggest bands, uh, you know, if it's, if it's an off night of the week, you know, may not sell out instantly. And luckily for me, I get to help just take it over the edge. But then there's other bands that are, for one reason or another, having a, a really difficult time. And that's where I really come in. So, I you know, then there's a lot of bands that, you know, luckily, you know, I... <laughs> I only get hired to do the bands that usually I'm going to get the people to. So, you know, it's not like, you know, being Mr. 80s, they're not going to put me on a, 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 a 2000, uh, 2010s rap band. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, something that's completely out of my fan base and genre, so to speak. So, um, you know, I wonder, I wonder if they're going to go mostly with the hits and maybe sprinkling, you know, like you said, hey, this band is, boy, they've been getting some play and, uh, you know, maybe they haven't toured before. Maybe they're going on their first tour, you know, uh, you know, they, they've got like whatever, you know, how many followers on their social media and their YouTube and everybody's begging to see them live. Let, let's bring them in here. Uh, maybe they've got great creative management that's able to help them out. You know, maybe that's another thing we, you know, we, we don't have another hour to talk about, but, uh, you know, management and social media, is going to have a huge play out of the gate because I don't think a lot of people understand that. We just started, t I talked earlier when we started uh, chatting about um, Yachtly Crew. Here's a tribute band that is with one of the nation's biggest agencies, TKO. Well, guess what? They don't have to worry about a thing. You know, they've got TKO. They're the ones manning the phone. They're the ones reaching out to the venues. They're the ones selling the band. They're the ones taking care of this all. So, Oh, what are what are a lot of these other bands doing? Who who is going to help them get into these venues? And then just to, to, to finalize that that part of you know you know my opinion on this is how you started off. Let's take Los Angeles. That was you know Southern California, Los Angeles, Hollywood, from the Valley to the South Bay to Orange County. Uh, you know, venue upon venue upon venue. A lot of bands were able to tour coming through Southern California and the Los Angeles kind of LA Orange County basin and could do four or five shows 
because they played down in Orange County. They play in the South Bay the next day. Uh, they play in uh, Hollywood. They play on the Inland Empire and maybe play up more towards like the far end of the valley or like, you know, uh, into crossing over into like Ventura County. So they could do five shows on a little tour just hitting this area and probably even stay at one hotel the whole time. So there's a question with so many venues now closing, you just cut down the odds. So what's going to happen there? Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, you know, a big question because I do think now more than ever, there's so much new great rock music and, and, and you're not going to be able to get away from it at some point this year. There's so many great new bands and even the legacy artists are releasing great music too as well, whether it's ACDC, you know, whether it's Cheap Trick who just put out an album last week, you know, they're, they're releasing good quality music. There is something to be said like you, like you just stated, you know, clubs have been struggling. Theaters have been struggling and are they going to want to take a chance on a band by themselves with another either local band opening up or another new band opening up, you know, what kind of, you know, what, what kind of crowd are they going to draw? And, you know, they're going to probably want that known act for them to get paid, to bring in money. Dirty Honey is releasing their debut album tomorrow. They had an EP that, you know, was just huge and very successful. And they're one of those bands that are poised, in my opinion, to be superstars. However, is it going to happen right away? Is it going, is, are, are clubs or the type of club going to be still hesitant to book these bands that, you know, I, for instance, I, I had another band that I've had on the show that was playing Illinois about two weeks ago. And, I got a message saying, hey, you know, do you know any local bands that would be interested in opening up for us? And I said, I could check. You know, I, I could find out. I'm like, does it matter if it's a cover band or if it's an all original? And the band member said to me, probably a cover band, bars and clubs like those better because they know they bring in people that, are for, that know the music that they're going to be playing. So that's still out there. Right, that didn't go away just because we haven't seen live shows in a year. And I know we're all excited about new music that's being played and being released. It's a great time to be a music fan because there is so much music. However, there's like that there's like that dividing wall. There's the music and all the things that go into, you know, your 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 taste your ear taste buds, I like to say, right? You know, that's appeasing to the ears. Oh, this sounds great. This is awesome. And then there is the circuit, you know, the clubs, the theaters that rely on the acts to bring in the money. And is that is that a parallel at the same time that's on the same page with the great music? I don't think it is right now. I don't think it's on the same page. I think because of what's happened, they're interested in making a buck. They got to make money. And, you know, right now, it's 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 a very slippery slope, you know. I mean, will bands like Dirty Honey that I think are poised for success and they've got a lot of momentum behind them be able to get through that? I think a band like that will. I think there's other bands that are going to be playing smaller clubs and bars, you know, to 20% capacity, 40% capacity, whatever it is. But I still think we're a little bit 
a ways off before we see that new band and that new music filter in to the clubs and theaters and club owners and promoters being confident that there's going to be a draw with these bands. I agree. And adding to that, think about the advantages of what, what's your take on festivals? Because festivals were an opportunity where you could catch so many different styles of bands, large and small. But now I think people might be scared of the festival. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, here's my thoughts on that. When you looked at when you look at the Motley Crue tour, the stadium tour with Def Leppard, and Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, Joan Jett, and then they added Tuck Smith, who's on uh, Alan Kovac and Nikki Six's record label, and and Tuck Smith was in a band called Biters that was really big out in L.A. and they did that. They put that mini festival together. If you remember Monsters of Rock back in the late 80s with Van Halen, Scorpions, Doc and Metallica, and Kingdom Come, those are five bands that toured throughout. And because the guarantee was so high for Motley Crue and Def Leppard, they had to have more bands because they had to get people into the parks, into the stadiums for a longer period of time so they can increase their alcohol sales, they can increase the, you know, the amount of money that you know, whether it's, you know, if they're getting a percentage on, on merchandise or whatever, they needed to bring in people for a longer period of time. So promoters who were, you know, booking Wrigley Field or booking Dodger Stadium felt more comfortable about giving $3 million a piece to Def Leppard and Motley Crue, right? Because that's a tough nut. That's $6 million plus the other three bands. So you got to make that money up. That's why tickets were so much. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But I think that's going to be maybe not so much the big festivals anymore, but I think you will start to see four or five bands touring together um, in order to, one, max out the amount of revenue that's brought into those arenas or wherever they're playing, keep people in the, you know, into, in, in the arena of the stadium longer, spending more money, spending the day there, I think that really is going to be part of the future of live music. Now, what are you, speaking of the unknowns, and that's why, you know, I think of festivals, I think of summertime, because there's a lot of talk about, hey, things may be, you know, we're starting to get there maybe this summer, maybe even by the tail end of the summer, and outdoor events, which could, could help, like you said, and you think about those all-day events, the all-day ones, where you just got done saying, you know, you have, you know, one, one, maybe two big headliner acts and then you've got like three or four mediums and then you've got like four, you know, others. And then you've got the, the side stages with a whole bunch of those as well. And those all day events. So normally that's what everybody is waiting for, for summertime. I mean, that's it. That's cross America. That's what people love to do. They love to, you gather and dress up in whatever, you know, outfits they're going to be outfitting in and, and, and have that experience tailgating right before they go in there and doing the all day event. And of course, as you just got done saying the nuts and bolts of it, the, the consumer is thinking this is the coolest thing ever. And this is what they're waiting for. People, you know, that may live in the outer skirt cities in certain States going into the big city where these happen uh, and, and wherever else uh, that's going to take place. But, but at the same time, the venue, it's about the money. That's, 
the, the people that have put this together, that's why they're doing it. Yeah, of course, they want the fan to have the good experience, but it's all about recouping all that money. So, but now, this is a different day and age. So we're, we're in that unknown factor again. How will people feel about going? It's one thing. You are dying to see that, that one band. Uh, I, I just saw out here, you know, we, we just saw the first billboard, I think, for Guns N' Roses playing the, the SoFi Center out here. I mean, like, oh, my God, like Guns N' Roses is going to play a concert like here. Like what the you know, like, wow. So what is the unknown factor? How is that going to transpire about people now instead of just going to go see one big band for an, a couple hours going into the morning? And staying all day long with, you just said it, a ton of people all around drinking all day and eating. And if they're eating and drinking, are they going to wear masks? Probably not at a lot of the time. How are they going to be sitting? How are they going to be acting when they're drunk? And I, I don't know. These are things that never crossed my mind until this past year. And now we're going to be getting into this season. And I think, you know, I'm seeing a lot of bands post about that. And a lot of LA bands that are driving out to, the mo- you know, like places in Iowa, places in, you know, Montana, you know, pla- you know, places that I would have never thought about that are holding these small festivals. So it, it, I, I'm thinking of things I never thought about before. How, how is the consumer going to, to do this and what's going through their mind? Yeah, I, I also think, too, on the other side of the stage, there's the performer. You know, um, a lot of these acts are in their 60s and 70s right now. And we do know that COVID does affect older people more than younger people. Uh, I had a conversation with George Lynch about playing Sturgis last summer. And the way the process was backstage was completely different. He stayed in his trailer up until showtime. He didn't talk to anybody. He didn't socialize with anybody. They knocked on his door. He grabbed his guitar, he walked up to the stage, he plugged in, and that was it. The show was over, he walked right back to his trailer. You know, um, that's going to be different too as well. There's so many things and so many protocols, you know. You also have to also remember too, they're going to be taking your temperature outside of these venues when you walk in. You know, that that's going to happen. And whether you want it to or not, you're not going to get access to that show unless you allow your temperature to be taken. And if your temperature's high, they're not going to let you in. They're not going to ask you for a vaccine card. They're not going to ask you because, I mean, I guess they could, right, if they're a privately owned company. Um, but, you know, we still don't know how that's going to happen, what that's going to do. Um, that's a big, you know, I know they, they've kind of floated contact tracing on your phone or vaccine cards. I know Live Nation has kind of floated that too as well. There's an issue with HIPAA on that too. So, you know, we haven't even, if we, if we even are seen the, the, the impact of that. So again, this is not solved folks. This is not, Hey, we're all back. Let's go to a show. Woohoo. You know, it's not, we are far, far from that. Yes. There are bands playing small bars, clubs, but until these, until the summer concert season starts, we really don't know what is in store. We really don't. And, and you, t- and sorry to interrupt. I was going to say you touched upon something when you were talking about George. And I'm thinking about you know again as a promoter and and being with all these bands, being on stage, me 
being backstage all the time. Think about the fan experience. What is one of the biggest money-making opportunities for bands other than merchandise? It's the meet and greet. It's all about the meet and greet. And right before COVID, especially with Instagram, you know, and people with YouTubing and stuff, it is. it was exploding more than ever how important the meet and greet was. There were pros and cons of bands, you know, charging this and that for meet and greet, but it was about the meet and greet. It was all about getting that picture, the, 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 the new fan or the old fan, getting that picture with the band, you know, posting it all over the place, or if not the picture, just getting that opportunity to get the whatever signed, especially we just got done talking about the monsters, you know, whether it's the ACDCs, the Death Leopards, the Guns N' Roses, you know, those are the bands that are charging the mega bucks. And it's, and, and it's, you know, it's all music. We, you know, you and I talk about these bands and, you know, right off the cuff, but you know, whether it's country music, new wave music, you know, I did something with like, you know, wasn't long back, uh, you know, Duran Duran and it was all about the meet and greet only, you know, so many of them, but that was a big high ticket item. And now I, I think it's pretty, <laughs> using the terminology safe to say, I don't think the meet and greet is happening for a very, very long time. And if it does, what the meet and greet is literally going to look like. So you're now talking about a, a, an aspect that could be for a while cut away from the fan experience. That could also be um, a, a big source of income that a lot of bands make up for that now they won't be able to have made up for something again, you know, the more we talk, the more, doors are opening for the unknown it really is i mean you know and i wish we had a more clear idea but you know i know different states are going to be allowing different things and it's going to affect where people do go tour that's another thing too but this is far from being solved and we know i keep saying this there is so much great new music and that's a positive but we still haven't the other side of it hasn't been sorted out yet. The other side of the live performance. And, you know, it's only going to take one of these festivals to be considered a super spreader event when a bunch of people come down with COVID as a result of it for everything to get shut down. It's only going to take one, you know, whether that's in Florida, whether it's in Illinois, whether it's in LA, wherever it is, one will happen and the, the, the promoters, because of the litigation that can exist because of that, they're going to say, uh-uh, we're done. You got to postpone it or shut it down entirely. And um, that's probably more likely to happen than the, the, other, the other side where everything just keeps going. I, I expect a lot of stops and starts, and I expect a lot of cancellations because of outbreaks in certain areas. Um, I think that's just going to be a reality for at least the next year or two. Well, I, I think it just touched upon one more thing there that I was just going to say, I remember firsthand a certain venue, uh, that that was their biggest concern when they, ha when the shutdown didn't happen right away, where things were, they were debating, are we going to close? And then when they did, was it going to be two weeks? Or was it going to be a month? And when that happened, the number one thing was, I was told, is you have got to read the 10-page manual 
that was sent out by the state of what we have to conform with and the legality. And they basically said, we're not opening yet for a while, and we probably won't for a little while. Remember, this was in the beginning, because we're afraid of the legality, the lawsuit, if God forbid something happens. And that was before anything crazy started. Well, that's driven by insurance, right? I mean, the venue could be fine with it. The insurance is going to be like, well, you can have this event. We ain't going to cover you. You know? Right. And no no one wants that exposure. No way. Yeah. There were a few venues in the beginning I know firsthand said, you know what? It's better for us just to remain closed for a little bit longer. Now, (laughs) again, none of us knew how long this was going to be going. But the theory was, it's safer for us, not safety health-wise, it's safer financially for us just to stay closed a little bit longer till things cool down because we don't want to risk, you know, losing our business. And then the irony is many of them lost their business because they couldn't reopen. But I think you called it, there's just so many unknowns. We, we, and, and, I, and again, talk about trial and error. I think that's going to be another thing. I think there's going to be so much trial and error until things happen, we don't know how they're gonna, how it's gonna turn out. I think, uh, you know, here we go. Just real quick, it was like the whole restaurant thing out here in like Los Angeles, Los Angeles specifically. You know, they had shut everything down. L.A. was the worst closed tier and all that stuff. And I think there was a thing where the uh, restaurants here in Los Angeles had sued the L.A. City Council and the mayor because. They had no scientific basis of why they were shutting down statistically. This was just something they did, and they won the lawsuit. So, you know, and then all the statistics that came out showed that, you know, the the restaurants were not the super spreader they thought they were going to be. And then restaurants started opening up out here, and luckily, there haven't been the problem. And at least up to this point, things didn't turn out with the fears that they thought were going to happen. Now, we won't know what's going to happen with live music because that's a whole other, you know, whole other type of event. And again, like you called it, until things happen, we won't know. And hopefully, you know, everything will run smooth. But as you said, God forbid, one stupid festival in one place turns out to be a super spreader. That could be the kiss of death for music for a while. Yeah, no, and and I think you know everything right now. Let's let's be clear. Let's 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 kind of reiterate what we first talked about. Things are going in the right direction in terms of baseball fans being allowed to come back to stadiums. More things are opening up. More restaurants are now open. At you know at least here in Chicago, we're at fifty percent capacity, I believe, and that's great. And 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 it's it's a step in the right direction. But what makes me nervous when you read you know about certain spikes on certain states, about COVID cases and capacities going up. You read about other countries, particularly India, that is just getting decimated by new variants and new strains. Um, we, we are doing a good job, I think, right now with getting people vaccinated. Will there be enough people vaccinated? There are still so many questions. But again, things are a lot better now than they were a year ago. And, you know, don't take the, the speculative conversation that Julie and I are having as this is what's going to happen. We're just asking the questions. We're basically thinking out loud as to the possibilities and, you know, the likelihoods 
or what the realities could be if, you know, things start to tick back up again or if things start to get, you know, it's all based on insurance, litigation, and hospital capacities, right? So when those things, when hospital capacities start to go up, everything kind of falls after that. So, you know, that's what you need to watch. And I know there's certain states that are a little bit more, I don't, I don't know how you, how you phrase that. You know, states like Florida and Arizona that are a little bit more loose with restrictions. I hope, you know, they don't see, I hope for the people of those states that they don't see, you know, ramifications, negative, you know, and, and increases in, in cases because, you know, that is that, that could happen. So let's all keep our fingers crossed because we all want to get back to doing what we love to do. And we all want to see the people we love. We all want to hang out with friends and family. We all want to do that. But, you know, we're all excited. The weather's getting warmer. You know, bands are starting to play out. Everyone wants to get out and do things. But I think we just need to just proceed with caution, proceed with a positive outlook, but also understand that there is a reality out there that could happen. I can't agree more. I think most important is, look, we knew something was happening. Something was not, (laughs) something bad was going on and it got a lot worse way beyond what we ever thought it was going to be. And more importantly to that, as we've talked about during this whole time was the length of time. And we're far from it being, you know, anywhere being done. But one thing is (laughs) not to be a cornball with any of it, but you know, music heals. Music is everything for, you know, anybody that's listening right now, it's because you're a fan of music. You love music and you love live music. So if you are getting the opportunity in the future to root for anything as the term light at the end of the tunnel, then this should be it. Music is going to come back. People come back. So music will be back. Don't worry about that. We don't, we, we've talked about this, this whole past hour plus of a lot of the unknown. And, and that's what we're supposed to do. We're just two guys talking about opinions and what we think. But what we do know is music will be back and everyone will get that opportunity to see and enjoy to be together again, because when it all boils down to it, that's what's important. So focus on the good focus that music will be back. Will take a little bit longer than we expected. Very possible. I mean, it already has, but you know, there, there's signs of life finally. Signs of life in music. The beat is literally coming back. So look at the good in it, but just do everything you're doing that you have been doing to get to that point. And again, you know, me firsthand, I cannot wait to be on a stage again, get that crowd riled up. And seeing all those faces in, in, you know, right in front of me, that's what I've always lived and thrived with. And the bands that are next to me side by side, hitting those first chords and the fans going crazy out there, that's what it's about. So to get there, let's just keep on this path and don't get discouraged. I mean, we've already had a year of discouragement. We've had a year of depression. We've had a year of, of being upset and, and just so depressed in every way. I think now is the time to kind of look forward to things. Again, a lot of unknowns still, but we're in a much better place than we were a year ago, you know? And so that's my little take on it. <laughs> the next time you got to come on, we, we have to do stories of the Sunset Strip because 
I, I need to have that conversation. My audience needs to hear that conversation with you about that stuff. We talk too much. And you want to get me talking about the days on the Sunset Strip? That's yes. just the, that, That's your, you want to, um, you know, I will. I'm just warning. I, I, I need to have that conversation with you, Julian, because, you know, I, I've heard things. And, uh, you know, we, we See, that's need- scary right there. I made, I made a, years back, you know, and, and this is not BS. There were, there were times where I was offered really great money, uh, you know, from some good sources that said, you know, Hey, you know, even though you never became the big star you became, you were around it all. And, you know, it, it's time to write that telltale book. And I said, no, I can't. It's because. I, you know, I, I don't want to go there right now. We can save that to the conversation. I got myself in trouble one time doing an interview with a very big, you know, news source. And I did one of those off the record conversations where parts of that off the record turned on the record and it got me in a lot of trouble. And that, not so much the, the comments that I made, uh, but the way that were taken out of perspective. And when you give like say a full paragraph and they use one phrase and piece it together, that's what happened. So I always said, you know, as long as I'm in the music business, I, I will, you know, avoid telling all on certain stuff. But there, you know, the 80s and the Sunset Strip, there will never be anything like it again. You know, even the 60s and the 70s, where the Sunset Strip was as big and influential to the future of music as it was, it, the Strip wasn't the Strip really until the 80s. And I was, you know, stoked to be, be knee deep in it. You know, I was in it and, uh, uh, you know, there was craziness going on back in the day and, you know, all the jokes and the movies and everything you see and the parodies, they can only do that because it existed. So, you know, one day I can't wait to talk and, and, and laugh about some of the stuff and, you know, coming of age on the strip and it, it'll be a fun conversation. It, it really will. Um, I look forward to it and, you know, get, there's something more for people to look forward to not like, you know, look forward to me and my interview with you or something like that. I'm just saying it just says that music is something that's been with us and it's provided great time. And that just means there's more great times ahead. That's it. I I just want to, you know, I want to hear about all the craziness, but I also want to just dive into the bands that were coming up from the strip and, you know, just that experience of seeing them, going from the club days to MTV and to being superstars and, and that, that, oh, yeah. that, that is such an interesting thing. And like when I was interviewing Stephen Piercy a few weeks back, he talked about sitting on the stage at the Starwood, watching Eddie, watching Eddie Van Halen play, watching Van Halen play and going back down to San, uh, San Diego when the band was called Mickey rap. Yeah. And having him oh, tell yeah. his bandmates, we got to get our shit together, man. There's this band called Van Halen that's blowing the fucking doors off of everything right now. And that's the stuff that I love. That's the stuff that's just like, yeah, I want to hear that. I And I've got tons of those stories. I mean, that was it. You know, I we'll, we'll talk about it more later. But, you know, I grew up out in, in Southern California in the South Bay. And and I it, it was kind of a dual, dual kind of cool thing because, I you know, I tried to be a rock and roll singer in a band and uh on the strip back in the day and there were all these up-and-coming bands that i were i was friends with from the south bay a lot of people don't realize that even hollywood what it was there were a lot of people uh, a lot of bands in the south bay during those days of course you 
you know, if you saw the dirt, you know, the guys and crew for a, a time, you know, like, you know, Vince was down here. But, you know, from Don Dawkin to, you know, Janie Lane was down here. Janie had his studio here until right when he passed. Um, you know, Great White. Uh, there were just, you know, uh, management for Great White and Guns N' Roses at the time when he managed both the bands. Uh, you know, they, they were down here. So there was, there was this movement of a lot of bands going up to Hollywood and playing and coming back home to the South Bay. I was one of those people, you know, and I, and, and luckily that, that's where, and, you know, here we are. It just, I guess it's like, this is your preview to that, that interview we do. That, that was how I became Mr. 80s, the promoter. It was because back in the day, I had tried coming up with all these guys around me. And the joke was that they all became famous, but I did it. But when the, unfortunately, the decade came to a close and the 80s scene kind of died, uh, then, you know, I got involved with a, a partner of mine at the time. We had this club going, Club Vodka, and we were one of the, the, the big clubs in Hollywood and other places that started bringing back a lot of the bands like the, the LA Guns and the, the Faster Pussycats and the Bang Tangos and, and, and those bands, and not bringing back. I mean, they were still, you know, playing here and there and going, you know, going out of town and stuff, but, you know, big difference from the, the heyday and the MTV, like you called it when they were top of the charts. And, you know, I, we were able to pick up the phone and, and, you know, these were the guys that were our, our brothers, you know, and say, Hey, we're, we're doing this new club concept. And, you know, we want to, we, we got to have you guys playing again. Nobody's seen you really in Hollywood and forever, you know, and, and then and it started a, a, the ball rolling. I was able to do that. You know, I was always able because these were the same guys that were still going, sadly, I hate to say it, you know, we were still going to the rainbow. We were still going to see other bands at the whiskey. We were still doing, you know, going over to the Troubadour and, and everywhere else. So, but I, you know, I had known these guys at that time for, you know, plenty of years from the early days on the strip until, and, and, and up until now, that was why I always had the advantage with these with these different venues. You know, when there's a, a, a band that's at a venue, I think one of the, I'll, I'll just say this one thing, I think one of, right before the pandemic, I think it was a few months or, I mean, a few months before, you know, even COVID came around. Uh, one of the great shows, I did a bunch of shows with, with Stephen Adler. And of course, same thing, you know, I go back to the early days with the, with the GNR guys. And, and, and Steven was on stage. We were doing a show at St. Rock together and Steven, you know, he loves to talk and he will, he will talk and talk and, and he just, he loves everybody. That's Steven. So Steven gets on his drum kit and he starts just yapping with the crowd, just saying, you know, genuine from the heart, because that's him, you know, he's poor guy. He's been through freaking hell and back. And so every time he performs, he is grateful. There's no bullshitting around with Steven. Every day is a grateful day to be alive with him. So he's on stage and he's just telling the crowd, you know, you guys rock, especially here in Hermosa Beach. I mean, it's, it's the South Bay and it's, this place is packed. You guys are rocking here in the freaking beach. And it was like a Sunday night, you know, and he's like, this is crazy. This is awesome. And then he goes, but you want to, if you're going to do something for me. And he's like, you know, I need you all to put your hands together and I need you to clap. For my friend over here, Julian Douglas, you know, I'm sitting there at the side of the stadium. Like, What's up? You know? <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay. You know, that was like, and he goes, you know, it's guys like him that have kept this going for all these decades. He's never given up on this kind of music. And we're going to keep going because people like Julian, and I'm sitting there almost crying. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh my God. But that's the brothership 
that I've had with some of these artists. And when I've worked with venues, they know that, you know, I, I, I you know, I won't, I, I hate even going there with a certain artist, but um, right before he passed, uh, or maybe I should save this, this big one. Save for, it, save it, save but, it, save it. But it, I, I will just say it was one of those times where the venue says to me, you know, hey, Julian, do me a favor. Will, will you go get so-and-so for us? He's kind of, he's, you know, I don't think he's in the club right now. We got it. You know, he's going to be on stage in like 15 minutes, you know, because he was a, a close friend. I could do that. And that's why I've been able to do what I've been able to do for all these years. So stories, yeah, I got a few. I have to be real careful, maybe like a little buzzer on my like leg to remind me. So well, don't, don't say that. You're not allowed to tell that story and others I can. But I think one of the coolest things, you know, I'm a supporter for rock and roll. I'm a supporter for 80s music. And, and mind you, as you know, and in the audience out there, you know, I am all about 80s rock and roll just as equally as I am all about 80s new wave. I know that sounds so crazy, but, you know, I've, you know, been lucky enough from whether it's been a Billy Idol or Rick Springfield, a missing person, you know, Duran Duran. These, these are bands that I love and have been able to work with just as much as, you know, Motley Crue and, and Guns N' Roses and Poison and all the others. So I have an equal love for, it's 80s. My, my nickname's Mr. 80s. And actually, I, I don't know if we talked about it then, but we will have to, talk about when we have that big conversation of how I got the name Mr. 80 because it was a, you know, a rock star band as big as they get who brought me that title. So I, I wear it with the, uh, with pride. So well, I, look, I'll, I'll, I, I, I look forward to it. I can't wait to do it. We got it. We got to do it because yeah. we were originally supposed to kind of talk about that tonight. And then we just took off talking about this. And uh, I know my listeners would love that conversation, I know they're going to enjoy this one, but I know they're going to love that one too about the stories from back in the day. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to have it. So um, right. we got to do it. Well, it's been, I, you know, it goes without saying, I, you know, <laughs> don't get the opportunity to talk much these days about music with, you know, out there with the, with the people. And so it, as always, you know, we're, we're friends, Jay, it, it love talking to you. Uh, thanks for bearing with my cat Munchkin. I'm sorry he made a, a bunch of appearance. <laughs> Here we no go. No worries. No worries. Working home things, things that have changed since the days of before. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's been fun. You know, I you know we 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 talk about issues that have to be talked about, and two guys just that love rock and roll. But when it boils down to it, you know, we're we're talking about stuff because we care and we, we just want everybody to be back together, you know, back with live music, you know? And we still got the live stream show too. I know we were, or I originally planned to do that in the winter. I had some health issues that kind of back that up a little bit, but that's still, you know, on the table and still, you know, moving forward now that those health issues have kind of gone away. And, uh, you know, so that's actually coming too. And Julian's going to be a part of that because we got to so have, wanted- we, we got to have Julian on that. Uh, well, yeah, and uh, and you already know who uh, my my hopefully partner in crime will be. I think uh, if, if we're still running that course, yes, some hilarious banter between us with our stories. So, uh, <laughs> in fact, I might even be able to get away with a few more stories uh, that way. So there you <laughs> go. There you go. Yeah, we're going to do it. It's coming soon, and uh, you know the partnership that 
I've lined up with you and the other the gal that's going to be on is uh, is going to be a blast. Yes. Uh, if I can just one quick plug just to, to say anything. Remember, uh, for those that aren't familiar out there, uh, I'm pretty much all over social media under Julian Douglas is an easy way to find me. And uh, my so-called business uh, tag, I've got a website that is uh, going about to have a whole bunch of really great updates. Uh, mostly focused on my world traveling I do called uh, listenjourneysaver.com. And that's uh, listen, obviously, uh, and then saver, uh, or I'm sorry, listen journey, uh, and then saver, S-A-V-O-R. Everybody somehow spells saver wrong. Listenjourneysaver.com. Uh, and as you know, Jay, uh, I'm also a, um, a travel convention speaker. I've had the opportunity, my Website came from me writing stories, starting to write stories about my travels around the world with bands. Uh, I'm even going to be starting a YouTube thing soon with that. Uh, eventually, <laughs> when travel and bands come back, and uh, but I've been fortunate enough that over the past year and a half, even with uh, what's been going on, I have been fortunate enough to work with the the famous Travel and Adventure Show. I've been doing virtual conventions for them and. Like you just got done saying, I'm going to be, which I haven't told anybody yet. So maybe this is a good time. I got to make two major announcements here. I got to tell everybody I'll be in uh, Tempe, Arizona on May 7th and 8th with the Otley crew. Uh, I'm going to be in Chicago uh, in July, the third weekend of July, whatever that weekend is. I want to say like the 23rd, 24th, around there sometime. Uh, I'm going to be speaking at the Travel and Adventure Show. Uh, that will be in your neck of the woods. And uh, I'm going to be out there for uh, that Saturday and Sunday. And I'll be a, a featured speaker uh, talking all, all about uh, world travel and all these great stories of mine. Um, it's going to be something special. And then the next weekend, I'm actually going to be flying out to Washington, D.C. and doing the same thing. So I haven't announced that anywhere. So it was kind of cool to be able to say that right now. So I hope that uh, we'll be able to get together when I'm in Chi-Town. Absolutely. I'll pick the restaurant and we'll do dinner. Sounds awesome, my friend. Uh, continue uh, keeping well. Uh, rock and roll needs you, my friend. It definitely needs you. And uh, so stay healthy and uh, you know, hopefully see you in a, in a few months here. And uh, can't wait till we get all the other things going and we got some fun, fun stories to tell more. Julian, it's been a blast as always, man. Thank you very much. You got it, Jay. All right, everybody, that's Julian Douglas. Check out all the places where you can go see him, all those links, all those places that he just told you about. Uh, just a pleasure to always have him and, and, and have his insight here on the show. Once again, I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast, part of Pantheon Podcast Network. Please subscribe to wherever you podcast to this particular podcast and also write a review. Tell me your thoughts. Check me out on Twitter, at The Hook Rocks, on Facebook, The Hook Rocks, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Take care, everybody.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 